Hi, welcome to episode 569 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I'm thinking about a new diet. The hate diet. Existing entirely on a diet of hate. I'll live forever. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four. Starting with issue one, and going all the way to issue 645. And today it's Fantastic Four. 569 from September 2009. Doom's Master, Part 4, story by Mark Millar, script by Joe Ahern, Ahern, and pencils by guest artist Stuart Eminen. So last issue was Brian Hitch's last. I didn't realize that at the time. I do joke sometimes about Hitch tracing, but he really has been the best thing about the Miller-Hitch run. He's had some really spectacular moments where he's just drawn the shit out of stuff. And I think he's a pretty solid storyteller as well. I never get confused as to what's going on in a Brian Hitch page. Although, the person he uses to draw as a reference to draw Reed sometimes looks too much like Lance Armstrong, one of the all-time greatest sports douchebags. In the realm of pencilers, um, who use a lot of photo reference, with Greg Land being the worst, I would rate Hitch as one of the best. In fact, his stuff on The Authority and Ultimates are some of my all-time favorite comics. I think he does a good job of drawing a page with a lot of detail, without it seeming uh, too cluttered and confusing. If nothing else, I did enjoy looking at the art during this run. And so the story begins where we left off, with a bunch of different alternate universe reeds, Sues, Bins, and Johnnies. They're attacking the Baxter building, sent by the Marquis of Death to go after the real Reed Richards. Inside, the real Ben, the real Sue, and the real Johnny are having a go at Reed as well thinking that he's an imposter. Valeria, ugh, Valeria, Valeria points out that she's been on the monitors all day and didn't notice anybody enter the building. Two and a half years old? And they've put her on monitor duty already? The rest of the Fantastic Four, they back off, deciding to give Reed a chance. The Marquis of Death is floating outside the window, and he tells Reed that all the other Fantastic Fours know that Reed had a chance to stop the Marquis of Death and didn't. The real thing ask, you could have stopped this? Reed tells him about how the Marquis of Death wanted Reed to kill the younger version of himself, Clyde, but Reed didn't want to kill somebody seemingly innocent. But wasn't it explained that this Marquis of Death killed a lot of people on another earth? Now Ben, on the other hand, he has no problem with getting on the, uh, the pogo plane, going out to Area 87, and killing this Clyde Wincham fella. And that's what he does. He gets in the pogo plane, and he takes off. But that's not what the Master wanted. He wanted Reed to be the one who kills his younger self. I don't know why the Master cares. I don't care who kills me. It can be either the fried food that I eat, the cigars that I smoke, 
or the mentally unbalanced homeless people that I bring home to my house for sex. Anything could kill me. I don't care which one it is. Either way, I'll be dead. Meanwhile, the large group of other dimensional Fantastic Fours have breached the building, and Johnny and Sue are looking to hold them off. Meanwhile, in his lab, Reed and Valeria are working on something. It would be fitting if Valeria pulled a Wesley Crusher and saved the day. Ugh. It would be fitting, I would not like it. Johnny and Sue are having a tough time, and they soon get overrun. Back at Area 87, Ben lands the plane in the desert and approaches the facility. But the Marquis of Death's apprentice shows up and zaps Ben in the back. Ben fights through the energy blast, and it's clobbering time as he clobbers the apprentice hard, and the bad guy goes flying through the air. Meanwhile, Reed stretches in to save Sue and Johnny from the attacking hordes of Fantastic Fours, and they start bitching to Reed about how all those other universes will die because Reed just can't kill one dude. You know, they always say that. It's only one dude. But then you kill your first dude, and it's addicting. And you just want to keep killing more and more dudes. You can't stop. So it's always best to never kill any dudes at all. Back with Ben, he, he pounds the apprentice into the ground and enters the building and finds Clyde Wincham strapped up to a Matrix-like device, just waiting for Ben to crush his skull in. In New York, Reed screams for Valeria to hit it, and a device goes off that knocks out all the other alternate dimensional Fantastic Fours. So the Master teleports them all away, and then help appears. It's Ben. He's back, and he's got Clyde Wincham with him. Ben says it turns out that Clyde Wincham is a fan, a fan, a fan of the Fantastic Four. Now, this Clyde Wincham really did come from another world. So anyway, on his world, the Marvel Comics characters are only comic book characters, and Clyde Wincham grew up idolizing them. I really hate the idea that our, our world is somehow an alternate world in the Marvel Universe. I don't just seem silly. Clyde says, No one can defeat my heroes! No one can stand against the gods. Older Clyde, the Marquis of Death, Doom's master, says that he's seen worlds where those gods are just insects. For some reason, as they talk, Eminem draws these images of different Marvel characters floating in space. I'm not sure what that's all about. At this point, the Fantastic Four seem pretty confident in their ability to defeat the Marquis of Death. He snaps back that even in his weakened state, it will take an army of Fantastic Fours to defeat him. Reed replies, You mean, like the army we just drained? So that device that Reed used on the other Fantastic Fours, it drained all their powers, and it gave that power to our Fantastic Four here in the Marvel Universe. Reed says they can only hold the power for 23.4 more seconds, so they better get busy. In 2.7 seconds, Ben is clobbering him with his fist. In 5.1 seconds, Sue is hitting him with her force fields. In 7.2 seconds, Johnny is zapping him with flames, literally burning the flesh off the Marquis' body. And in 8.6 seconds, Reed is whipping him around with his stretchy arms, which is a lot less impressive than what Johnny just did, or Ben or Sue for that matter. So being pelted with Rocky Fist, 
hit with powerful force fields and blasted with flames wasn't enough. Now, Reed is going to grab him with his stretchy arms. Ooh, way to go, Reed. That's going to finish him off. Reed wants Johnny to burn hotter than a supernova to the planic, plank, plank temperature, P-L-A-N-C-K, plank, which is 10 to the 32nd power degrees, which sounds pretty hot. It's a temperature, Reed says, where space and time break down. It'll cancel out the Marquis' powers, and they can send the Fantastic Four armies home to their own dimensions. The Marquis warns that they could rupture the multiverse, but Reed replies, You picked the wrong Fantastic Four this time. And then Johnny blasts him with his super-hot flame, leaving the Marquis a shriveled-up, defeated mess on the floor. Oddly enough, the floor withstood the 10 to the 32nd degree flame somehow. Marquis says, Finish me! But Reed says no, he's going to keep him as a prisoner. In Civil War, Mark Millar had Reed turn into a fascist. Now he's back to being his infuriatingly over-the-top, bleeding-heart liberal self. The rest of the Fantastic Four, on the other hand, seem keen on killing the asshole. But then the apprentice appears... And I hate using the word apprentice. It's been ruined forever. And the apprentice takes the Doctor Doom face mask off... Off the master. He smacks the master around... And he puts the face mask on himself and reveals that he is dun, 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 Dr. Doom. At first, I thought he might be a Dr. Doom from another dimension. But no, it turns out that he is the Dr. Doom from this dimension. He explains how he survived getting, getting eaten by that shark millions of years in the past. He was ripped apart, but hate, hate kept him alive. Ah, so that's why old people are always so cranky. It's that hate is keeping them alive. So he used black magic and created a body that even the master could not recognize as Dr. Doom, and he accepted him as his apprentice. But he had to wait a long he had to wait a long time for the chance to strike. He even had to he had to wait millions of years. This version of Dr. Doom has been around for millions of years. That's stupid. Why didn't he just make a t- time machine? and travel from the million years in the past back to the year 2009. He didn't do that. So anyway, he had to keep himself secret from prying eyes. That includes the dead watcher they found in Thailand. He had to be killed. Reed wonders why he just didn't kill Clyde Wincham instead, which is a pretty big plot hole if you ask me. Doom just brushes off the question with some nonsense about being a superior being and how he welcomed all the pain. The master chimes in, saying, I taught you well, Victor. But Doom, he don't want to hear a word out of him, so he blasts him to bits. Goodbye, Marquis of Death. I hope you never come back. Doom tells the rest of the Fantastic Four that they are meaningless as the Megalodon that tore him asunder millions of years ago. He says he can be found in Latveria, and he teleports away. Someone says, Perfect. One less psycho at the wedding. Wedding? There's still a wedding? Oh, we have half an issue left in the Mark Millar run, and uh, Ben's fiance is still the most uninteresting character ever. You better find some way out of this and fast. 
So the wedding comes and uh, the wedding day comes. Ben is checking his messages on his answering machine. For those of you who don't know, an answering machine used to be this machine you would hook up to a landline telephone. like a, It was like a tape recorder. And people would leave messages. Oh, what am I doing? It was only eight years ago. If you want to know what an answering machine looks like, go to your parents' house. The first message says, Can't wait to introduce her to my python, you big orange. Ben fast forward. Who was that? Who would leave a message on a guy's wedding day saying that he wants to introduce his wife to his python? Not unless Ben is friends with Princess Python, who actually has a python. Some other message says that he can't wait to crush Ben's wife's skull between his claws. Ben says his machine is full of messages like that. Reed tells Ben not to worry. It'll be fine. Later at the church, it's filling up with costumed heroes. Daredevil is there in costume, as is Spider-Man, Hercules, Vision, Bucky America, She-Hulk, Thundra. Thundra got an invite. Moon Knight? No, he's not there. <laughs> he's not getting invited. Now, there's one problem. The thing hasn't shown up yet. And this has Reed worried. You don't suppose that Ben is going to chicken out of getting married to a woman, will he? Oh, why would he do that? I can't think of a single reason why. And of course, the fiancé, Debbie, I think her name is Debbie, right? She's freaking out. She asked Sue to turn her invisible so she can avoid everyone. Reed is running some scans to find Ben. He thinks maybe he was abducted or something. Maybe they should check out the nearest bathhouse. Or bar. Uh, probably bar. That's where Ben is, at O'Leary's bar, when Debbie, still in her wedding dress, comes in, saying that they should talk. Ben explains what happened. He saw Spider-Man, Daredevil, Bruce Banner, and Namor, the Submariner, sitting there together in the, uh, our girlfriends are dead section. Because Namor lost Dorma, Bruce lost Betty, Spider-Man lost Gwen Stacy, and Daredevil lost Karen Page, Electra Nachios, Heather Glenn, Gloriana O'Brien, and Maya Lopez. Huh. How does Ben know about Gwen Stacy, by the way? This is after the Spider-Man reboot. Does he even know who Spider- He's Spider-Man? Did Gwen Stacy even die? I don't know. I don't care. I hate the new Spider-Man. I hate him. Screw him. So Ben says he would just die if something bad happened to Debbie because of him. Reed leads the rest of the heroes to the bar to find Ben and Debbie hugging. Reed says he's glad they've worked it out. Debbie, with a tear rolling down her face, says, We're still friends, if that's what you mean. Yeah, friends. Friends. Friends in the way that after this issue... They will never see or talk to each other ever again. Yeah, friends. They walk out, and oddly enough, Daredevil, Spider-Man, Namor, and Banner are standing there together. And Debbie says that crap about how it's better to have loved than lost than to have never loved at all. And then Daredevil points out that uh, whoever wrote that was talking about breaking up, not about having a girlfriend murdered. Spider-Man says about Gwen that he wishes... He had never met her, you know, to keep her from her horrible fate. Debbie says that must be a guy thing, because a woman would never make that trade. You know, she's talking to an asshole who made a deal with the devil to wipe his marriage out of existence to save his 100-year-old aunt 
I don't think he should be giving anybody any advice. Back inside, Ben is alone with Reed and Johnny, and he says, Aren't you going to tell me to go after her? Johnny says, He probably did the right thing. I wasn't asking you, Matchhead. Johnny turns and leaves, and Reed has this look on his face like, Oh, Ben, is such a poor, miserable bastard. He says, he says that he's buying, and that is it. The end of the issue, and the end of the Mark Millar run, and whew, what a shit fest. I think the only thing keeping this from being my least favorite Fantastic Four run ever is the fact that A, Heroes Reborn exist, and B, it's the incredible artwork of Brian Hitch. But Mark Millar, he's really pooped over the FF on this one. I think there's four very unfantastic things about this run that have driven me crazy. First of all, the stuff about Doctor Doom having a master. I don't know where he pulled this out of his butt, but Doom is not the kind of guy who would ever acknowledge anybody as his master. That is so out of character for Doctor Doom. To say he had a master? To say he learned anything from anybody would be too demeaning for Doctor Doom. Even if he did have a master, he would never willingly admit it. Admit it. It's such a terrible mishandling of Doctor Doom and a terrible retcon, and it turned out that this master guy was some lame-o character named Clyde from an old miniseries that nobody remembers. The second thing is Debbie, Debbie, Debbie. I never thought a character would make me long for the days of the she-thing, but at least she was a interesting kind of stupid but interesting character an interesting girlfriend for Ben Debbie is a downer a huge nothing so bland I wonder if Mil- I wonder if Mark Millar had bigger plans for Debbie maybe hoping that she would actually stay around in the book forever but in his last issue the powers that be were probably like Mark get rid of her get rid of her Jonathan Hickman doesn't want her get rid of her Ben is a rock monster by the way why was she even interested in getting married to a rock monster. Gold digger. She's a gold digger, I bet. Kind of a Melania situation. It's so weird at this point. Did Ben ever feel self-conscious about the fact that he's a rock monster? He usually does feel self-conscious about that. Very out of character for him as well. Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm. The third thing. Johnny Storm. Man whore. Really? Suddenly, after 560-something issues, Johnny realizes that he can sleep with any woman he wants, and he does. He starts banging Playboy Playmates. He's having three ways with models. And he's in a rock band. He has a reality TV show. Who is this guy? He bears no resemblance to the Johnny Storm that came before. He may be Millar's worst handled character. And number four, Valeria. Oh, crap. It's Mark Millar's fault. The two-and-a-half-year-old child genius. Who wanted to see that? Who likes that? Nobody. Nobody likes that. And how is she so smart? She hasn't even been to school yet. Even if you're a genius, you still have to go to school and learn something. You're going to remember it easy, but you still have to learn something. You still have to go to some kind of school. She can't just have this knowledge out of thin air. Or just by overhearing her father talk. And I've never been a fan of the idea of the child genius. And with Valeria only being two and a half, it's extra annoying. 
What comic book reader is going, yes, I want to read a book with a two and a half year old child genius. That may be why sales went into the crapper and the book got canceled. I blame Valeria. Valeria. That's why we can't have nice things. And all future Fantastic Four writers are stuck with her. Like, what can they do? It's not like with Frank with Franklin's powers, where Reed can use some machine to keep Franklin's powers from being active. He can't create something that'll make her stupid again. What rationale would he possibly have for doing that? And they can't really kill Valeria, because that's just way too dark for this book. I guess they could have Mephisto get involved. Maybe, I know, maybe have Reed and Sue, they can make a deal with Mephisto. Valeria gets wiped out of existence forever, like she never existed. And in return, Mephisto will save the life of Willie Lumpkin. That's a great deal. I want the next writer of the Fantastic Four to make that happen. So that's all I have for now. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at podcastff. Or you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over.